Welcome to another edition of American Bankruptcy Institute Podcast. I'm Sam Giordano, ABI Executive Director. The U.S. Supreme Court may be taking a reduced caseload these days, but they seem to have a fondness for reviewing bankruptcy decisions, having decided five such cases in the last two years. Their most recent decision in Stern v. Marshall will clearly cast a long shadow over bankruptcy jurisdiction for years to come. And now the court has agreed to hear another bankruptcy case, this one involving an important bankruptcy tax question. The case is Hall versus United States from the Ninth Circuit and presents the issue of whether a debtor must pay taxes on the bankruptcy sale of a farm in Chapter 12. The Halls were forced to sell their family farm as part of their bankruptcy case to settle their debts, resulting in a capital gains tax of some $29,000. The debtors wanted the taxes treated as part of the estate so that they could be discharged. The case presents the interface between the bankruptcy code and the tax laws. Tax Code Section 1399 provides that a bankruptcy filing other than an individual Chapter 7 or 11 does not give rise to a separate taxable entity. So the question becomes, must the capital gains taxes be paid by the debtor or can they be treated as an administrative expense of the estate? A 2009 case from the Eighth Circuit called Knudsen versus the United States relied on the bankruptcy code to permit the debtor to discharge the tax claim. But the Ninth Circuit, relying on the plain text of the Internal Revenue Code and unpersuaded by some legislative history to the contrary, held that the debtors are not entitled to treat the capital gains taxes as an unsecured claim, dischargeable under Section 1222A2A of the Bankruptcy Code, and thus the taxes are due from the debtor personally. The Supreme Court granted cert on June 13, and will hear the case this fall. Here to talk about the implications is Joe Pfeiffer of Day Reddick Pfeiffer of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Joe's commercial law practice for more than 25 years has touched these matters. He's a widely published author on Chapter 12, and he successfully litigated the Knudsen matter. Joe is also the past president of the American Board of Certification, and he's a graduate of the University of Iowa College of Law. Welcome, Joe, to ABI Podcast. Thank you very much, Sam. Clearly, we have a uh, circuit conflict. The uh, Eighth Circuit case relying on the language of Chapter 12 to provide some relief to family farmers compared to the Ninth Circuit's reliance on the uh, tax code. And we should note, I guess, that the Tenth Circuit uh, just agreed with the Ninth Circuit in a case called Dawes. So let me first ask you, which appeals court has it right? Well, I'm going to cite in with the Eighth Circuit from the standpoint of making Chapter 12 work for farmers. If you are taking an absolute strictest possible plain language approach, and you're probably going to go with the ninth or the tenth, or ninth and the tenth. But from making Chapter 12 work for family farmers, the Eighth Circuit has it right, and it provides an avenue for the family farmer to downsize or right-size his or her operation and treat these taxes without 
uh, them being a significant impediment to reorganization. Perhaps I should set the stage a little better for how this all comes about. In many instances, family farmers will have a low tax basis in the assets that they use in their farm. These assets might be real estate that's appreciated wildly in the last few years. They could be uh, livestock. They could be machinery that's been depreciated, but may have a value in excess of the tax basis. That sets you up for a capital gains tax problem or a depreciation recapture tax problem. And that's what the Knutsons faced. So when they, they couple that with debt that is equivalent to or in excess of the value of the assets, you're sort of set up in the perfect storm. In order for the farmer to get the debt level down, they need to sell some assets. If you sell some assets, you're probably going to end up with a significant tax bill. In the Knutson's case, uh, the pre-petition sales netted a tax bill about $43,000 that they were able to treat as a pre-petition unsecured claim. The code section that allows them to do this is uh, section 1222A2A, which allows a family farmer to treat the claims of governmental units that arise as a result of the sale or other disposition of farm assets used in their farming operation as a pre-petition unsecured claim and not as a priority claim. The Eighth Circuit said that it clearly applies to sales in the tax year before sale, before filing, but they went further. The Eighth Circuit took an expansive reading of Section 503B1B, single I, to say that the uh, post-petition taxes are administrative expenses. Now, the Ninth and Tenth Circuits disagreed with that holding of the Eighth Circuit. The Eighth Circuit focused on a phrase incurred by the estate and found that if it was incurred in the reorganization of the estate, that it would be an administrative expense. The Ninth and Tenth disagreed with that. So, in many instances, the farmer would have to sell the assets, pay the secured creditor who has the first lien on them, and then would have no money with which to pay the taxes. And that's the position the Knutsons, the Halls, and the Dawes were in. In Knutsons' case, the Eighth Circuit sided with them so they could sell their 120 acres. And when we sold the 120 acres after the win at the Eighth Circuit, the net tax ended up being $120,000 that they would have had to pay, but they'd have had no money to pay it. So in Knudsen, we waited until after we had a ruling because I was concerned about the pre- or post-petition uh, transaction and whether it would qualify for the treatment afforded under 1222. The, uh, the Halls, in their uh, case, argued that the uh, tax code shouldn't be read to frustrate the bankruptcy code. Uh, and I think you alluded to this um, in terms of the nature of the tension between the special treatment in Chapter 12 and the uh, general treatment uh, uh, found in uh, Tax Code Section 1399. Uh, unfortunately for the Halls, the Ninth Circuit wasn't buying that uh, frustration uh, argument. So if you can't use that, um, 
uh, and you're faced with the the plain uh, language of the of the two provisions, what's the best argument do you think uh, that they might use to try to reverse the Ninth Circuit? Well, I think the best argument that's going to be there. There are two of them that I'm looking at right now. Uh, one of them is to go back and look at what the Eighth Circuit did and look at a holistic approach to the bankruptcy itself. And in looking at that, even the dissenting judge in the Eighth Circuit, Judge Colleton, agreed with the majority that it would apply to post-petition transfers or transactions. And he looked at it and said that the rationale of in looking at it being a 503B1B single-I uh, expense, administrative expense, was the proper way to get to a result. That's a result-oriented posture that the Eighth Circuit took. That's one argument you can make. Another argument you can make that uh, uh, was brought up in the argument the Eighth Circuit but was not brought up in the argument uh, in Hall at the Ninth, or I believe in Dawes at the Tenth, was that Section 1222A2A deals with claims of governmental units, not just tax units. And since we're dealing with the claims of governmental units, there are other kinds of government claims that can be brought up when a farmer sells, for example, real estate. If the real estate, for example, is in the Conservation Reserve Program, which is a program that allows a farmer to essentially rent the ground to the government and not plant crops on it to uh, prevent erosion and other uh, problems with the ground and keep it out of production. If he sells that ground and the new uh, or the buyer doesn't agree to keep it in the Conservation Reserve Program, there's a liquidated damages clause as part of the contract. Liquidated damages typically is the amount of rent that has been paid by the government to the farmer. These contracts will run 10 to 15 years. So if the farmer's been in it five or six years, there could be a sizable amount of money that needs to be refunded to the government. And it's a claim this occasion by the sale of that farmland. So I think a more correct way of looking at this and saying that we don't have to look specifically at the tax code for determining whether we have a... Uh, separate taxable entity, is to look more at 503. And the reason that you don't look just at the tax code is because 1222 is broader than just tax. So the two arguments seem to be, in my mind, looking at a an ends result methodology, which is what uh, Knudsen did in the Eighth Circuit, and also remembering that the section is far broader than is merely tax. Is this a, a matter of um, more uh, timing and planning? In other words, can't the farm debtors, the uh, kinds of uh, folks that you uh, counsel, can they uh, simply sell their farm assets uh, before filing as a way to uh, try to discharge the tax gains in the subsequent Chapter 12? And would that solve uh, all or part of their problem? Okay, Sam. They could, uh, if they're thinking far enough ahead, they could sell and complete the sale in the tax year before filing. And that's what Knutson's did on part of theirs. They sold their breeding herd and they sold uh, some livestock equipment in 2004 
Then they filed bankruptcy in 2005. The IRS has never taken the position that 1222A2A does not apply to transactions that occur in the tax year before filing. The IRS does take the position that 1222 does not apply to transactions that occur during the tax year of filing or after the filing. So if the farmer is thinking ahead and gets to a lawyer soon enough, they should be negotiating and doing the sales that they're going to need to do and then not file the tax bankruptcy, Chapter 12, until the year after, the tax year after the uh, sales have been completed. Unfortunately, many times farmers will get to me right after harvest, and they'll be mid-November, and it's clear that in order to make the plan work, they're going to need to sell some real estate. Well, if it's mid-November and we're trying to sell real estate and close it by December 31 for calendar year taxpayer, that's not a lot of time. So they've got to move fast if they come to me too late. Or if they come to me right after the first of the year and they need to get something done, unless they can work with the creditor to get the creditor to take the heat off, or the creditors to take the heat off so they don't have to file bankruptcy until the following year, for example, if they came to me in January of this year, set up so they don't have to file bankruptcy till uh, January of 12, meaning we'll do some sales in tax year 2011, that's a possibility. It, sometimes that's going to take uh, some creativity and you have to get the banker to work along with you because the banker has to understand that if you're forced into bankruptcy too soon, this tax bill will be there. And under the Ninth and Tenth Circuits analysis, you will emerge from bankruptcy and that tax will emerge with you. If the uh, if the Ninth Circuit's affirmed, uh, how will that change the, the kinds of uh, counseling and, and advice that uh, you give to clients who are facing these kinds of issues? The Ninth Circuit opinion has already changed uh, my counseling here in the Eighth Circuit because I want it done in the tax year before filing. If we're sales aren't done in the tax year before filing, I fully expect that the service will keep the issue of whether Section 1222A2A applies alive pending a decision in Hall. So if Hall's affirmed, then in order to get the benefits provided by BAP CPA for Chapter 12 debtors, uh, the taxes or the sales will have to occur in the tax year before. Otherwise, there will not be any benefit from a tax perspective in Chapter 12. And I suppose we should uh, mention that while this is obviously uh, vital in a farm reorganization, it has some uh, implications for Chapter 11 reorganizations too, does it not? I believe it does. As the uh, petition for writ of certiorari in Hall points out, since uh, the Eighth Circuit relied upon Section 503 uh, to determine that this was an administrative expense claim, that would apply in Chapter 11 as well, and it's an expensive reading in order to get it in, incurred by the estate. And in many Chapter 11s, uh, you could have the same problem that we have in Chapter 12. Unfortunately for the debtors in Chapter 11, there isn't a provision that is as powerful as Section 1222A2A dealing with the taxes. Well, the Tenth Circuit observed in, in Dawes that, uh, quote, the tax collector bears resemblance to the Green Reaper, always hovering, never avoidable, unquote. And I guess we'll see next fall if the Supreme Court agrees. 
Uh, and with that, we're out of time for today. But thanks, Joe, for being with us on ABI Podcast. You're welcome. Uh, as a reminder, you can uh, listen to or download nearly 100 podcasts on bankruptcy issues and developments from our homepage at www.abi.org. Until next time for ABI Podcasts, this is Sam Giordano saying good day.